always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Seven minutes after seven o'clock. Really good to have you along here on Green and Growing. Thank you so much for listening to WSB. So the show's been on a full year now, and I did some really fun things back when the show began last February and March, and things I'm bringing back because I had so much fun doing them this time last year, one of which was a little different this time last year before a pandemic hit, but Brian Albini, who is a Pike Nurseries landscape designer, was in the studio with me, and we talked about landscape design. Services of Pike Nursery, they can include landscape design, a full landscape installation, or simple plantings, home garden consultations, all kinds of fun things. So I wanted to bring Brian back since we had such a good time last year, and here he is on the phone. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Ashley. Good morning. Good to good to chat with you. It's such a great time uh, this time of year. There's so many folks coming into Pike Nurseries to uh, to sign up to do landscape designs. It's it's good to get ahead of spring and to to start thinking about uh, the garden and and how you want to how you want to use your yard for the the next twelve months. Always looking forward to springtime for sure. And. Folks need to be, yeah, a little bit ahead of schedule as as far as that goes so that, you know, they don't get caught off guard in the middle of spring when it's maybe not the best time to plant things or y'all are just really busy. So first of all, let me ask you, you have an RLA, so uh, an acronym, some letters after your name, and I, I did some research on it, Registered Landscape Architect. So tell us, Brian, first of all, when you're in this business and in this industry, what kind of education do you go through? I mean, how many plants do you learn about? There's so much information out there. So you probably know a little bit about everything. Well, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a general practitioner, so to speak. So yes, I am a registered landscape architect. Um, it's not the case for all of our designers, and it's, it's not always necessary, but I have a little uh, extra expertise in engineering and, and drainage and um, structural things and things of that nature. So that comes in handy with hardscapes. Um, a lot of our education um, for a landscape designer does hinge around um, plantings, plant design, plant names, horticultural names, that sort of thing. So, yeah, we, uh, we, I was meeting with a client yesterday and uh, they, were, they were pleased that I knew all the names of the plants in their yard. Do you have to know the common name and the scientific name, the Latin name? We try to, yeah. and it's uh, it's it's funny because sometimes the uh, the Latin name is what sticks with me, and it takes me a while to remember the common name. Isn't that it's, funny? Uh, it's been drilled into my head so so long. I'm that sure. Latin name. My goodness. <laughs> so so tell us a little bit about this arm of Pike Nursery. You know, many people that shop in the Metro Atlanta stores just see the plants and all of the merchandise and all the great things for sale, but don't know that this arm of the nurseries also exists. How do we go mm -hmm. about, you know, scheduling this and what different pieces of, of these services can we piece together as a homeowner? Sure. Um, so yeah, you can come into any one of our, uh, our local nurseries and uh, talk to us about landscape design. And, and, you know, what we do from there is we have one of our, our local uh, design experts uh, will come out to your home and meet with you on site. Uh, from there, we do a, a consultation meeting. And, um, 
you know, with my consults, I like to talk to the homeowners about their their big picture ideas and what they, you know, how they want to utilize their yard and then get down to the, the nitty gritty of colors that they like. And, you know, are they having any drainage problems? Are they having any sunlight issues and things like that? So we do a fully, uh, a pretty comprehensive assessment. And of course, we're always being careful. Uh, we don't go into your homes. We're, uh, we are masked the, the entire time, uh, keeping safety a priority. And uh, from there, we'll do a design, and uh, designs are typically a hand-drawn, black-and-white, uh, two-scale uh, drawing that lays everything out uh, for your yard. Uh, with our typical design uh, fee of $399, we'll focus on either the front yard or the backyard and um, put together that plan, uh, get that plan over to you. And then we also have PIKE-certified uh, installers. And so they can take the plan from there and actually install everything that we've put together. Um, and we can do it all at once, or uh, oftentimes we do it in phases to meet budgets. And that works out really well. I've got clients that I've worked with for years and years just, um, you know, going along and, and taking one section at a time and, and kind of making that dream a, a reality. And so we can take you through the whole process from, uh, looking at a few plants at the nursery, all the way to uh, doing a design and uh, and then installing that design. It's like Christmas when the truck shows up and it's loaded with all of the plants that people have always dreamt of and desired. And I'm sure, Brian, the clientele may have changed over the last year or so because so many more people are aware of their homes. They're spending a lot more time there. And whether it's home offices or whatever the case may be, spending a lot more time looking at their landscapes and maybe a little extra time on their hands to really be thinking about, you know, beautifying just any kind of outdoor living space and, and things that they want. So uh, what are some of the benefits to having, you know, professional landscape design done? I'd say one of the biggest benefits is um, not wasting money. So many people come to me after they've spent thousands of dollars on plants that just won't work because it's not the right plant for the right place. Uh, so that's a huge benefit, having somebody that has a wealth of knowledge and experience guiding you along the way and making sure that uh, you know, you're not putting a, you know, a, a endless summer hydrangea in full afternoon sun, that sort of thing. You know, some of the other benefits are um, you know, water. Where's the water going? You know, can we direct it to where it's not creating puddles? Can we uh, make sure that you know, it's not uh, causing any issues in the yard and just kind of you know, put a trained eye on that and make sure that that is, is, is taken care of. Um, another benefit is just having a, you know, so much what I do is, is organizing. You know, there's a, a, a big benefit to having a nice, organized, cohesive yard. And that makes a huge difference as to the overall enjoyment of it. And, you know, that's probably the biggest benefit of all is just being able to look out and, uh, and enjoy it because everything's in the right place, everything is spaced properly, uh, all the colors are working together. You know, we can oftentimes bring in a lot of seasonality. And by seasonality, I mean having something of interest year-round. And that doesn't mean flowers blooming year-round, but just something of interest. So whether it is a, a blooming camellia this time of year or a, a rose in the summer, uh, or if it's fall color of some you know, some witch hazel or father goya in the, in the, in the late autumn, um, or texture. Texture plays a huge, uh, huge role in the garden. You know, the other thing that helps is, is being able to combine 
contrasting leaf colors. So when you provide contrast in a garden, you have interest. And um, that's a good way to, to get you through some, some times when maybe there's nothing blooming, but there's still some, some purple leaves and some yellow leaves and some contrast that really, uh, really makes the garden sing. Yeah, and something like you said, interest with every season, you know, whether it's just shrubs that are maybe like a lime green and a purple side by side if you don't have any flowers at the time. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I like that you mentioned one of the benefits, water-wise plants and making sure everything's, you know, from a from a conservation standpoint too. But also there's such a move in the industry right now to educate people on pollinators, right, and the importance of yeah. pollinators in, in our life cycle, really. So is it often that you're able to educate folks on native plants and maybe, you know, advocate for those a little bit too so that we can have those pollinators and those active gardens? Yes, absolutely. I was actually just reading something this morning about uh, monarch butterflies and, and how we can help them out and, uh, you know, planting more milkweed and butterfly weed and that sort of thing. But it is, uh, and this year especially, it's become really uh, front and center in terms of, you know, hey, I want a pollinator garden. And that's, you know, that's a fairly easy checkbox to, to check. You know, we can make that happen with, uh, you know, some butterfly weed and uh, lantana and, um, you know, coneflower and, you know, all kinds of native perennials. Uh, and, um, you know, to your point about native shrubs, we've got a, a handful of great native shrubs that work well in, the, in our area, in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, and we also have some some great shrubs that are maybe not native, but they're adapted and they don't require a lot of input. They don't require a ton of water. They don't require a ton of uh, fertilizer. You know, they can, um, you know, be sustainable uh, without, you know, too much input, which certainly helps with, you know, 95% of my clients that that, uh, desire low maintenance landscapes. So what is the both ends of the scale. I'm I'm speaking with Brian Albini, a landscape designer from Pike Nursery. The smallest area you've done for a client, and then the largest, like you said, for th- starting at three ninety nine, we pick a backyard or front yard. But what's the mm-hmm. smallest and what's the largest project that you've worked on? Oh gosh, just in general, uh, certainly I've done uh, my fair share of mailbox gardens, and um, you know a little a little. Uh, a piece of pie taken out of the the corner around the mailbox and that's an area where you can really pack in a lot of perennials and things like that and I've done that all the way up to you know homeowners that have bought you know a new home and they've got a, a the lot next to them that they've purchased and they really want to go all out with a with a garden and so you know the way we approach that is you know yes the uh, the design fee is 399 but you know if we get out to your yard and and you have you know an extra lot next door, we can certainly accommodate that as well. And we'll kind of talk you through what the, the fees need to be to do a, a design of, of, of that size. So yeah, we, we do it all. And we also have some great, um, you know, in-store services as well. You know, we've got so many great nurseries here around Atlanta that um, do uh, different services like our home consultation service or our pick and plant service that, uh, Pike, you know, we're, we're really here to, to meet all your needs. Right. From concept to completion, Pike Nursery's professional design and installation crews make the most of your yard. You want to maximize all of that space and make the most of your yard and garden to enhance just year-round enjoyment for the, your outdoor living space. Well, I do have just a couple more questions for you, Brian. If you'll stick around, sure. we've got a 
Take a break and check traffic and weather, and we'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. We're back on Green and Growing. 35 degrees right now. It's slowly starting to warm up. Finley Roofing sponsors your weather update. Uh, Rain showers developing in the afternoon today. 90% chance for us. High of 47, low of 36 tomorrow. Mostly sunny skies. High of 51 and low of 33. The forecast is from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. So I'm speaking with Brian Albini of Pike Nursery, and we're talking about landscape design, and you can kind of get a feel for everything we're talking about by visiting pikenursery.com and click on landscaping. Um, Brian, I understand you do have some design tips for, for for some of us, whether we're doing it ourselves or whether we're wanting to know where to go with a designer. What are some of those tips? Yeah, absolutely, Ashley. So, um, you know, first thing is is assessing the area. You know, what, what kind of sunlight are you getting? What kind of shade are you getting? That sort of thing. And just making sure you're you know, we're able to choose the right plants to uh, to fit those needs. And, you know, the uh, the other thing I like to do is maybe start with a specimen. You know, is there a specimen tree like a Japanese maple or a, a really nice bush like a limelight hydrangea that you want to start with and have that be the showpiece? And then you can work around that, that specimen with uh, some, I call them supporting characters. You know, the specimen's the star, and then the, uh, you've got the supporting cast that uh, kind of makes that star shine. Uh, the other thing to uh, to keep in mind is, you know, maybe, you know, start with a, a good uh, foundation planting. You know, a lot of times we have clients that are uh, have been in the house for 20, 30 years, and it's just time to, to rip out those old holly shrubs and, and start from scratch. And so, you know, starting with a good foundation and then, uh, you know, adding in a specimen and, and uh, working around that can really uh, lend the garden to, to have some, some pop to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with uh, thinking about a garden in, in asymmetrical terms. I certainly have a lot of clients that, that like the symmetry and they, they like the balance, but, you know, there's a lot of homes that, that don't call for that. And, you know, the garden can be asymmetrical. And um, I think as long as you have some, some balance where, you know, things don't feel lopsided, uh, but it doesn't have to be the exact same plant um, on each side of the front door, uh, you know, foundation planting, so to speak. Um, and lastly, you want to think year-round. So uh, you want to think about, you know, what's going to look good now, what's going to look good in the winter, uh, combining your deciduous material with a background of uh, ever- evergreen material so it, the garden never looks completely blank uh, at any time of the year. So the cost of the service, three ninety nine. It covers four hours of a designer's time and the, mm-hmm. the total time, four hours, and that includes the initial home visit, off-site mm-hmm. drawing time, uh, post-install mm-hmm. follow-up, and all of that. So, Brian, we are running out of time. I can't believe that. I'm so glad you came back to the show. Um, how can folks reach you or any of your staff? Sure, absolutely. They can uh, They can always come into Pike Nursery, uh, and the, uh, the store associates can uh, help out with uh, setting up the design and, and getting that part started. And we can always, uh, you can always visit us at uh, pikenursery.com and actually sign up for our uh, design services online. Brian, I love it so much. Thank you. I greatly appreciate you being here this morning, and I look forward to talking with you again really soon. 
Thanks so much, Ashley. Looking forward to it. Have a good day. You too. Love our friends at Pike Nursery. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, your calls at 730. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. We talk gardening and everything outdoors for three hours every Saturday morning. Thank you so much for listening to Green and Growing here until 9 o'clock and then followed up by that Dave Baker guy and the Home Fix It show that is coming your way from 9 to noon um, next Saturday, too, really have a big show uh, for you next Saturday. It's going to be the great backyard bird count, which I get so excited about every year. We don't just talk gardening. Yeah, like I said, outdoors, too, and being able to enjoy nature. So Cornell University and their lab of ornithology, a great program where we become citizen scientists and count birds and help them you know, with more knowledge about the bird population and just how crucial that is. So Um, We're going to have a lot of fun next Saturday as well. So here for you now and um, online all the time, talk gardening all the time on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. When you search that, um, I put out a question a few days ago and loved the response. What garden tool can you not live without? Um, And got some really good response from folks. A handsaw, uh, some pruners, and you have to know the difference between a really good pair of hand pruners, whether you get bypass where the blades go past one another, almost like scissors, that's really makes a good clean cut for live, you know, plant material. That way you get a clean cut. If you have anvil pruners, that is a little, you know, not as clean of a cut, but that's better on like dead, dead vegetation that you're cutting back. Um, My Japanese weeder, that was Nancy's response. I'm not sure what that tool is, but I'll have to look that up. Uh, A hand rake, Um, wood-handled shears, that sounds like an old but a standard tool, Uh, a small trowel. I mean, I just love folks really doing things by hand, doing things manually. Uh, Pruners just seem to be the number one answer for sure. There was a caller two weeks ago at the very end of the show, and she had phytophthora, which is like root rot, uh, affecting her tomatoes. And I, or uh, uh, strawberries, it was strawberries, uh, crown rot. So I was talking about, you know, a fungicide, something that's going to be able to treat that. But someone reached out to me. Thank goodness he did. And he's like, "Ah, that's an edible crop. So maybe the fungicide you recommended is probably not going to be best uh, for something edible. So I'm so glad he did that. And I didn't have a chance to ever reach back out to her. Once once y'all hang up your phone number and all of that's gone, it's I'll I'll never be able to find you again. But stuff like that, I I really um, am, am quite pleased when when people do reach out to me and and try to help me learn a little bit more as I get into the show. So thank you. 404-872-0750. Glad to have some calls coming up here. First, we'll head up to Gwinnett. Say good morning to Mary. Welcome to Green and Growing. Hi. Hi good Mary. morning. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. You sound perfect. Okay. What's going on this I'm, morning? <laughs> I'm out walking, so my face is frozen. <laughs> oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but Anyway, well, this is the first time I've ever called, but every time I listen to you, which is most Saturday mornings, I have noticed, and and I don't really have a question, I just have a comment, that you promote wildlife, 
And I think that is just amazing. You know, keeping the big trees, keeping planting plants that attracts them. And I just think that's amazing that you reach out to people like that. And I think the more people hear that, the more we will be doing that because there's so much clear cutting around here that it's just great to hear you talk about promoting wildlife. And um, I I love gardening. I'm not a gardener myself because I don't have enough space for it um, as far as sun. But it's just uh, I love hearing all the people call. It's such a positive program. Thank you, Mary. And, and I really appreciate just, that. But, you know, I go out walking early in the morning when it's still dark and... It's just, if people just realized, wow, you're literally waking up with all this wildlife and hearing it and stuff, and I know that sounds crazy, but um, to hear such a prominent person talk about that and then your show, it's very nice, and I hope more people do that, help promote the wildlife and keep up their gardens, and and it it is very positive, and I just wanted to tell you that. Um, Thank you. I hear that every weekend. And I'm like, you know what? That is just awesome. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely no phonies here. I mean, people that really yeah. care. And, you know, yeah. the younger you are, you don't really pay attention to those things. And I'm almost oh. 40. So the older I've gotten, the more people I meet. And I meet people yeah. like you and some of the garden experts well, who've been on the show that are passionate about, you yes. know, the environment and conservation and all that. When you meet people uh-huh. that passionate, it's contagious. Yeah, and it is, and and when they see it actually happening, mm-hmm. and, oh, wow, look at that, and oh, wow, I just saw that hummingbird. There was, oh, oh gosh, weeks ago, weeks and weeks when you were talking about, well, you probably talk about hummingbirds all the time, uh-huh. but, um, you know, cleaning out their, their containers and making sure, because it's, it's dangerous for them to have dirty right. sugar water, whatever, but, um, but it's just, Little things like that, attracting the, the birds. And, and I love the foxes and coyotes. I don't know if I'm making anybody happy with that, but I do. <laughs> I do, <laughs> you know? too. And a, an occasional black bear up in Cherokee and Cobb County uh, is not unheard uh, of. I hope to see it in my yeah. car at a distance when I'm safe driving somewhere yeah. on the side of the road. But I love seeing that, too. It makes me happy. But it also kind of yeah. startles me because when we see them out of their you know habitats, which are usually out of our uh-huh. sight, you know, it's kind of... it. To me, it's indicative of some kind of disruption, which, you know, we See, started off the show talking about. Right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We, if we destroy the environment, they're going out of their own and, and coming into where it's dangerous. And then it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. Then we start harming them because they're interfering with us. But if we would help work together, I, know, I don't know how else to put it, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can preserve and have a harmonious, you know, existence, I guess. But. Yeah, and as you're out in nature right now, Mary, as you do every weekend, you know, getting out there walking, you know, it's it's a peaceful uh-huh. time of day. You're hearing the it birds is. chirp. You get to see the wildlife before everybody is yeah. bustling around oh, yeah. later in the morning. I think that's awesome. What a good way to start your weekend. Well, the, the funny thing is I was walking one time last week, and um, I came across, it was still dark, a doe was laying in my neighbor's yard just hanging out. Oh, I love <laughs> and that. Gets, and she gets up, she goes, oh, and she starts trotting off. But uh, but it was so funny because we have a lot of woods in our neighborhood, which is amazing. And uh, I think everybody kind of works together. Yeah. So. 
and taking our taking our noses and our eyes out of our phones and kind of looking up and realizing our surroundings. And I do. I talk a lot about birding, especially not so much about you know wildlife as it pertains to coyotes and deer and wild turkeys and things like that. But certainly, if you're paying attention, you see all of these things. And of course. That is just one of those natural trade-offs, bringing more people to the city of Atlanta. North Georgia such a popular place. And, you know, more construction, more residents wanting to move to these areas, especially in the suburbs of, you know, north of Atlanta. But um, that, that is the trade-off, unfortunately, is habitat disruption and all of that. But there's always things that we can be doing and being a little more conscious and, I think, better stewards of the environment. And I promote recycling. I'm a big fan of recycling and all of that. Some people have their doubts, you know, that that recycling truck is just going to bring all that stuff into the landfill just the same as your trash. But also, Mary, when you're talking about uh, me promoting hummingbirds and things like that, same goes for wildlife, same goes for pollinators too, which in February, I'm definitely going to have, hopefully, fingers crossed, an expert from the University of Kentucky um, talking about pollinators and how important that is. And again, that's just one of those things I think that comes with age when you really start to realize I don't want to swat and kill every bee that's bothering me outside during the summertime, knowing the difference between wasps and bees, especially honeybees, you know, the things that are crucial to sustaining our way of life. We need pollinators to grow the food that we eat and just promote things in the environment. So Mary, thank you very, very much for the encouragement. I so appreciate it. And you listening every Saturday means more to me than you know, for sure. Those of you that just keep coming back and giving me a chance to continue to grow and learn with you. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Stay away from the coyotes. Don't have a deer dart out in front of you. (laughs) That's happened to me in my vehicle quite a few times working the early morning hours that I do. All right. Up next, we go a little south and uh, say good morning to Mike and Noonan. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. Hey, so what's going on with this Bermuda grass? You did something that was, uh, to me, a good idea. What'd you do? Well, uh, uh, back in, I, I think it was November, uh, we had to have our uh, septic line redone. Oh, boy. So, I mean, I had great grass out there before because we get it treated. And uh, so, of course, you know, they tore up the whole front yard when they did that. So I was just trying to get something down to, you know, <laughs> to get through the winter with mud and things. And so I actually went through and I um, spiked it and then I uh, watered it. And then I put uh, Bermuda down, mm-hmm. and um, and then when the Bermuda started coming up, it started coming up in patches. And of course, as it got colder, I went ahead again, and they came out. <clears throat> they wanted to come out and do a pre-emergent, but I said let's, let's wait because you know I just I just put down some uh, Bermuda. Uh, so uh, long story short, I ended up putting rye down on top of the Bermuda, and it's coming up. It's coming up really well with the recent rains and things that we've had. But it, it's not the whole front yard. It's just in patches. So I guess what I was wondering about is should I put something additional down, some type of fertilizer? Because I was thinking about today getting out, you know, when it warms up a little and going back and spiking it again. Because on top of that, I did put down some uh, wheat straw, you know, to protect it from the frost and everything as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but I just put it down lightly. I didn't, I didn't cover it, you know, I guess too much. Uh, but I just can't seem to get it to, to grow back. And I'm, I'm trying to avoid sodden unless I absolutely have to. So I was just looking for some pointers, and you guys are a great source of information when it comes to all things like that, lawns and trees and shrubs and flowers. So <laughs> like I'm what? open. I, I just, I'm, I'm just trying to, trying, trying to avoid spending a big 
a big sum of money unless I absolutely have to. Absolutely. No, that's so funny. I, I'm actually going to pull aside you saying exactly what you just said, because one of the promos that runs on the radio station for my show is plants, flowers, trees and stuff. And all my coworkers <laughs> laugh and they make so much fun. But I'm like, it's true. That's really literally what we talk about is plants, flowers, trees it, and stuff. Absolutely right. <laughs> and, and I'm a big fan of your pollinator. Uh, your pollinator series, so I hope that does come up in February. I hope so, too. I did a a virtual webinar listening to this guy from the University of Kentucky talking about pollinators, and my God, it was just fascinating. I mean, it was very basic and easy for us to understand, but kind of, you know, what's going on in the industry, and it's like a a worldwide effort to kind of combat some of the chemicals that are, you know, used that kill uh, huge bee populations. I mean, it's it's tragic, really. Yeah, and... and Go ahead. And we really don't under, we really don't understand. I mean, it, it's like the, your previous caller said. You know, until we get a little bit older, we don't really understand the necessity and the importance of having those pollinators for anything that we do in the environment. Oh, we really don't. But I realize it now. You know, but but it, but but as you say, the bee population is declining at a rapid rate. Yeah, it's scary. And I mean, I feel guilty for the years. We built a new deck on the back of the house, you know, five or six years ago and had carpenter bees. You know, that's one of the first ones I start to see. And I was so angry with them boring through my, um, I mean, they're not really pollinators, so to speak, but boring through my lawn. It was like a, or my deck, it was a goal of mine to see how many I could kill. But now I feel so guilty for killing anything I don't want to. Um, so yeah, no, thanks for the encouragement. I'm definitely going to reach out to this professor there and hope to have him on. But all right, so what we did with the rye and your Bermuda, we're kind of at a, a catch-all right now, kind of a period where you don't want to do a whole lot, Mike. And I, I do understand you may be thinking, okay, well, I want to get out there and fertilize or something like that. But um, fertilizer applications just to keep the rye grass going really should not be made any later than about now um because we kind of want to start to discourage the ryegrass a little bit because we're wanting the bermuda to have a chance to green up and grow a little bit stronger you know as it as it hits its transition period in the spring um once a lawn's been overseeded it does need to be overseeded continuously so i hope that this isn't going to cause a big nightmare for you but once you've put that ryegrass down some of the seeds aren't going to have germinated this year um so they may start to pop up for years you know following this year two or three and they'll grow in big clumps and look kind of weedy but really what we want to work on is strengthening up that bermuda grass okay so any fertilizer that's put on right now like i said is getting a little late because that's going to send the wrong signal to the ryegrass to start really growing strong um and also that ryegrass just starting to like dry out a little bit. You know, you're obviously not having to do any watering to the dormant Bermuda right now, but letting that dry out, um, that stresses the ryegrass because we want to allow the transition back to the warm season grass, the Bermuda, and we don't want the Bermuda to suffer at all. So I would hold off on any fertilization. Really what we want to start focusing on now is the strength of the Bermuda. And that fertilizing regimen is going to come as it's, I think, the rule of thumb, and correct me, somebody, if I'm incorrect, is more than 50% green up is when it's going to be beneficial beneficial to fertilize that Bermuda. So we're looking at like April, uh, mid to late April, maybe, when that Bermuda grass is starting to get uh, 50% more green. So I want to send you a really good article from actually uh, Clemson about this kind of transition and the crossover with the ryegrass and the Bermuda, because I don't know that I've fully answered your question. I know how to. I'm just, my brain is not 
spitting it out there right. But I would hold off on fertilization right now. And then what I want this article to do for you is be able to prepare you here in the coming months for knowing when to do the fertilization for the Bermuda grass and aeration like we talked about earlier, you know, if dethatching is an issue and that kind of thing. Um, and, a, and a picture might help too, Mike, if you kind of show me what you're talking about with the the blotchiness and there's some here and, and not some there. So hang on. I'm going to have DeMarco get your email address and I'm going to share this article with you because I can't uh, verbalize it all on the air. But I think you're, you're on the right track, but I actually am giving you a, a little bit of good news right now and just hold off and don't do a whole lot. So thank you very much for the call, Mike. I definitely hope to hear from you again. Mary in Mableton, Chris in Tequila, and your calls coming up 404-872-0750 on Green and Growing WSB. Atlanta's morning news on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Great calls coming up for the 8 o'clock hour here on Green and Growing. You want to stay tuned. And at 8.30, we'll hear from Pike Nurseries with which well, what they have in the nursery that you need to add to your in this case, your home right now, and then we'll move it outside into the landscape a little later, or the back deck or the patio. Uh, Finley Roofing, they sponsor the weather update right here for your weekend. Mostly cloudy. T- it is going to be mostly cloudy today. Rain showers developing in the afternoon. Brief rain, snow, sleet mix possible. The northern suburbs, no accumulation for Metro Atlanta, though. That's the good news. 47 degrees is the high. 36 is the low. Tomorrow and Monday, Looking at mostly sunny skies, that's good news, and a little bit of a warm-up. So if you need to get outside and start on some things, it's going to be around 50 degrees. That's going to be awesome. Lows overnight Sunday into Monday around 33 degrees. So coming up, your calls in the 8 o'clock hour, 404-872-0750. And I think we have time really quickly for top three. So first of all, we'll do... Number one, make early plantings of your choice of carrots, collards, lettuce, mustard, English peas, and spinach. And you're starting to think about preparing seed, which we're going to talk to Pike Nursery about at the bottom of the uh, 8 o'clock hour at 8.30. Number two, get a professional landscape design installation before spring arrives. Beat out their busy time. Plus, now is a great time to install trees and shrubs with ease. We just spoke to Brian Albini a little bit ago about all of that. And it doesn't have to be daunting. It doesn't have to be an intimidating process by any means. And number three, as we discussed last week, it's dangerous to spray glyphosate on Bermuda grass, even though it looks dormant. So make sure there are no sprouts near the soil surface. You may just want to paint on a herbicide and get right to the grassy weed blades on top of the grass and the results won't be immediate but you'll see damage to the weeds within a few weeks 404-872-0750 we'll be right back on green and growing on wsb When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.